Good morning, welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing Live. It's Thursday, December the 8th, and as the first snow flurries in East Kilbride, Aidan, start to happen. Celtic are in the Algarve. We're in the wrong job, fella, are we not? But there you go. Yeah, them's, them's the bricks. We'll freeze over here while Celtic sun themselves in the Algarve, and we'll come to that in a minute. But first of all, I'll direct you to the ticker tape running across the bottom of your screen. You know what I'm going to say. Subscribe and support top quality journalism covering the club you love. It'll cost you a pound for two months of access. Full access to everything that we do on the pod. And also, you can get a reduced rate, 25% reduced rate on a yearly subscription. And you'll pay £26 for that, Aidan. That's a bargain if ever there was one. And all you have to do is hit www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Aidan, what, what say you to that? You know, it's a really good offer, Tony, isn't it? And I mean, obviously, that will include everything sort of features, uh, big interviews, such as uh, the Celtic Way sit down. And the sort of articles that accompanied that, that you and Sean did with Martin O'Neill, that I know everybody's really been enjoying. Yeah, we've got tactical pieces up, such as the recent one that Stuart Ross did, eh, comparing two transfer targets. So whether, you know, tactics is your bag or you prefer interviews, features, we've got you covered from all angles. So get yourself involved and subscribe to that deal if you're not already signed up. Indeed, and we thank all those who have subscribed already. So you know what to do. Just hit the button, www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe thank you for that Aidan excellent stuff so we'll just put that down just now and we'll put it up near the end now Aidan Celtic are in the Algarve as we say they're playing Wren in a closed door bounce game don't know what it is kind of game under the radar game on Saturday and hopeful that Callum McGregor might get some minutes in that now the inspirational captain has been the subject of some words from Scott Brown this morning in one of the newspapers, and Scott Brown has been bigging him up and praising him, and this is what he said, Aidan. Trust me, you can't underestimate the influence that Callum has inside that dressing room in terms of setting standards for the rest of the group. He certainly won't allow complacency to set in, and that's one reason why Ange Postacoglu will be delighted to have him back at this critical stage in the season. You need to make sure you maintain those standards and focus on the next game. It can be a mistake to look too far ahead of yourselves. Although they've got two cups there to be won, they want to make sure they challenge for them. Most importantly, they want to win the league and they're obviously in a great position to do that at this point. They have to push on in the second half of the campaign and having a guy like Callum back in there to drive things from the inside will be a massive help in achieving all of that. And so say all of us, Aidan, I don't think we could have put it any better ourselves. The baton was handed on when Brown left, and it was Brown that said that Callum McGregor was a captain in the making. Some eyebrows were raised because they didn't see it. Some supporters didn't see it, or some people on the outside didn't see it, but they've seen it now, haven't they? Yeah, he's uh, more than sort of stood up to the challenge of being the captain, and I think this is probably discussed to death at this point, but a very much, you know, a different type of leader to Scott Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's at least the impression I get anyway. Obviously, we're not in the dressing room, but I think McGregor's been a superb captain, and uh, those comments from Brown are no surprise. If uh, what he was saying, and I think Kieran Tierney said it in an interview as well. He did. In the last couple of years, that 
he had no doubt. Uh, I think at the time it was just after the season that got stopped by COVID when Kieran Tierney did the interview with Open Go, I think it was, and he said he would have no doubt that uh, Cal McGregor would be the next captain after Scott Brown if he was uh, still at the club sort of thing. And he obviously does have really good leadership qualities and to boot, he's an absolutely brilliant player as well. So <laughs> overall, that's definitely been one of the success stories of the probably the Andre was making him captain now. Probably the flip side, some people would say, well, there wasn't really many other choices at the time, but that doesn't matter. I'm sure Postnikoglu, who really wanted to, given how like, aggressive his transfer policy was, could have went and brought in somebody and made them captain. We also heard all the rumours at the time about how Eddie Howe was going to bring in so-and-so if he'd get the job. So I'm sure if Postnikoglu had had an issue with McGregor being captain, he would have brought somebody in. But he's seen him in those first few weeks of training and was quite, after he got back from the Euros, and was quite happy to give him the captain's armband. So... Overall, it's, he's just been so he's been so positive in that role, and that's why I'm so glad that Celtic seem to have coped okay in his absence at the moment. But you know, for big games coming up, such as you know away to Ibrox, League Cup semi-finals, you want to try and have the captain back. But no, McGregor's been an absolutely superb captain, Tony. We got a glimpse into him, didn't we, with those clips from the DVD, and he was giving those kind of speeches. You saw one at Hamden, I think, it was during the League Cup final and stuff like that. And you know, you. You do. It has surprised you in that kind of sense, Callum, hasn't he? In terms of being able to rouse the troops like that, because it is maybe something that went undetected. But he, he certainly got the, you know, he's got it as well to be able to to uh, raise the troops and get them, you know, marshal them for for big games. Yeah, yeah. The DVD footage was really good. I think uh, the two sort of clips that were kind of put out in the sort of main public domain. If you didn't buy uh, the special, was the ones that were involved in advertising the season tickets for last year and I think as well as Andrew's speech there was McGregor speaking before the League Cup final and before the 3-0 victory against Rangers back in February and he was giving a really, really good speech you know you wanted to almost run through a brick wall for him and that was just watching it never mind playing but yeah he, he can obviously clearly give a speech as well and you see sometimes in the huddles pre-match eh, maybe not of your you're at a game depending where you sit obviously uh, or depending on your away games, etc. But if you're watching, you know, sports scene or whatever coverage at night, quite often you can see when, before he got injured, you know, he was giving a big rousing speech and everybody mm. was sort of completely enthralled by it, which is what you want. And it does show you can obviously do all the different aspects of the game, which is ideal. Yes, lots of comments coming in. FS, first of all, saying leadership can very often be about setting a good example, and Callum does that, definitely what you were saying in there as well. And Ozzy was saying different style for sure, but Cal Mack fits the Ange Postecoglou system. Edward Wire was saying Bruni implying that Callum is not a slider like he was. I mean, Bruni was so vociferous, I think that's why that people see it as different, you know. And Brown Warrior saying superb footballer, superb captain. Uh, Callum's always led by example, and he's never hidden games, even as a youngster. Breaking through, he always made himself available for a pass and never hidden big games. I think I would echo all those sentiments, Aiden, that. The commenters have made there. And guys, we're going to have a Q&A session, so get your uh, questions coming in, and myself and Aidan will do our level best to answer them. Got a couple already from, I think, Simon Thomas, but we'll get to them. But still touching on Callum, it's just good to have him back, isn't it? Hopefully he gets minutes now, Gavin. You see he gets introduced to the fray before they go to Ibrox on January the 2nd. It's really important to have him back, Tony. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And given how strong the team have been performing, particularly domestically this season, now with that St Murn game, 
on paper, some people might think, oh, there's no need to rush him back. And obviously, you don't want him to return too early if he's still carrying a knock. But if he's completely with that, having Callum McGregor to come back into this team is... Yes. Must be scary for some of the other sort of clubs in the league because <laughs> he's so effective and we know that he's probably, when he comes back, he'll be in that number six position. But if for whatever reason there was a game that Ange wanted to play O'Reilly or maybe probably not play one of the guys I was going to say Abdelgaard but he's not really been involved has he play O'Reilly at the number six or you know he could then put McGregor forward if yep. you know Hitati or Turnbull etc wasn't available so he could come in and play a sort of variety of roles in the midfield which is completely what you want and as just to reiterate it's great to have McGregor at least on the road back and if he gets some minutes on Saturday I'll be absolutely delighted yep John Hill comes in. There's a comment here from John Hill saying, Cal Max a good motivator. Respect from other players, he, he's a winner. Agree with that. And Brown Warrior comes back in. Says the return of Callum will see a return of Ange Ball because it's a fact that he is the key to Ange Ball playing from that deep role. He's the metronome at Celtic. Well, I always said that uh, Scott Brown was a beating heart of Celtic when he was there. And I think Callum's just replaced him. And I think Callum is the the beating heart of that Celtic team now. And, uh, yeah, David Ferguson saying Carl Mack was a perfect captain at the perfect time. I, funnily enough, I think it's been a seamless transition. You know, and you, you can under-emphasise or over-emphasise the role, but he has taken that armband with the minimum of us aiding and got on with the job. And Celtic's success has been the proof in that, hasn't it? And Callum's driven them to that success. It has indeed, and I think probably a big part of how seamless the transition has been is there's not lots of players really over the course that were there before. Yeah. In terms of you know between uh, the season, uh, the start of that COVID season, then this the summer window when Ange came in, a lot of players left, a lot were brought in, so a lot of them only have ever really known a Callum McGregor captaincy, except from the start of last season too that we've known the previous Brown and Rodri they've since left. Yeah. Obviously, there's players like James Forrest, Greg Taylor, etc who were there under uh, the previous regime. So they all remember Brown as a captain, but overall, most of them have only really known uh, McGregor being in charge. So I think that's helped as well. You're not really have too many people probably thinking, oh, you know, so-and-so did this a different way. They've only really known Cal McGregor at Celtic as being the sort of leader. I think that's helped as well, but his performances have been exceptional. And we could probably spend the whole... Yes. After another <laughs> 40 minutes today, talking about McGregor's performances, and obviously we don't let go over old ground, but some of the, the ways he's played since Ange came in have been exceptional. Probably highlights for a lot of people, probably that 3 0 game uh, at, against Rangers back in February, also the, the 2 1 game at Ibrox. And then uh, even this season, I actually thought some of the couple of the European games before he got injured, uh, Real Madrid at home, I thought he played really well. I also had that shot that was unlucky not to go in and hit the post, but I'm sure I'm missing several there, but it, it was so important for so many yeah. games and the start of the season. That drive and run that he did at Ibrox right into the heart, which ended up with Tom Rodgers equalising. I mean, Rangers took the lead three minutes and within seven minutes Celtic were level. And it just that just epitomised him for me. You know, it was like going to do something about it. And the way I, I think I mentioned it at the time, they didn't really actually celebrate that goal because I think they were so disappointed with the way they'd started. And it was a question of, right, we're back in it, let's start to play. And after that, they did, you know, and Callum was a big part of that. So, yeah, I mean, as you say, he picked out a few moments there, but there's lots of moments his career is littered with those kind of moments where he stood up to the plate and, as you say, we could wax lyrical all day about him. He's been a star. So, 
Nice segue into the first question from the Q&A, Aidan, and it's from Simon Thomas, and he asks, who do you think will be the star coming the second half of the season, or who do you think will start coming the second half of the season? Michael Ross is quick in with the answer, Saeed Haksabanovic. There you go. Do you think Haksabanovic is going to be that star, Aidan, or do you see someone else coming with a late run or a late charge, or just do you see the likes of Jota continuing on his uh, rich vein of form, all that kind of stuff? I think if we're talking about <clears throat> excuse me, players who are already sort of really established names and that fans with views like the main stars, Jota, eh, Kyogo, I think they're all I think they're going to be massive contributors to the second half of the season, eh, whether that's in like, you know, physical stats in terms of goals and assists or just playing massive parts in really big games, such as, as I mentioned, the upcoming Derby semi final, potentially Scottish Cup, however that goes. I think in terms of established players, those two will be ones that the fans will sort of highlight. Matt O'Reilly as well. Probably Haxabana, which is a good one to touch on if you're thinking about somebody who he's made a really, really positive start and he's probably established himself as a bit of a fan's favourite. But someone that will kick on even more and become like a really established name, that he'll become one of those players that you'll sort of think he's undroppable sort of thing. <laughs> I think uh, Haxabanovich will, will be the person that sort of falls into that category. And like I say, he's, he's already been excellent, but <clears throat> he could be somebody that sort of makes the the next step up. I think that was sort of a good shout from the comment on that. The exquisite finish against Ross County said it all, Aiden. Get that ball out your feet quickly and to bend it in the way he did. I mean, it was just a brilliant goal. Really, really well taken. But that quick thinking shows you there's more than a footballer in there. There's a pressure as well, Tony, that one more yeah. one time. So. Yeah. Of course, I've known you needed a result and known that chances were coming few and far between in that game. But uh, I just thought it was the the, mark, the hallmark of a of a player there, you know. And just you see, he keeps saying in every interview that he does. Haksabanovic, there's more to come. If there's more to come like that, then the Celtic fans will be well impressed, won't they? Yeah, definitely. He's been he's been a really good sign and probably one at the time that went a wee bit under the radar. Because yep. I know he can sort of play really across that front three almost, and we've sort of seen him particularly in a couple of the European games that not playing as a ten, but he was maybe a wee bit more central. Uh, but overall, he's he's been brilliant. Where it's been off the wing or uh, more sort of in the the middle, maybe behind the striker sort of thing. And given how much depth Celtic already had in that position, you know, Jota, Maida, Abada, even James Forrest, he's also came in and had a bit of a resurgence sort of for some games this season after maybe not really being involved last year or the year before that. So you would think, you know, on the wings or sort of in really that middle of the park where he had so much depth, but it shows you can never have too many good players, Tony, I don't think. Well, FS is what's Haxabanovic's what's most effective position and why? You know, you've just touched on it there. He, he is effective in most of the positions that he plays and I think that, that augurs well for Celtic and when he's asked to do a job, he, he's... He's more than capable, even of, of producing the goods. Yeah, I mean, he's got so many positive attributes. We know he, he's got a good eye for goal. I think is that two or three goals he's got now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's, he touches very good. He's skillful. He's, he's maybe not the quickest player, but he's by no means slow. Do you know what I mean? He can cover ground as well pretty effectively. Good engine. It's, I know a lot of generic terms, but I think they do kind of sum up a lot of his game. <laughs> He can he can do so many things so well. Tell me his best position is probably a bit of a difficult one because <clears throat> and just used them in a sort of few positions. So he obviously views them not yeah. as a 
I don't want to say utility player because I know that's sometimes used as almost like a jack all trades thing. Yeah. But he he has a very if you want to, if you do want to use that phrase, a very, very good utility player because he can play across those sort of three positions and it, he's probably a very effective player to have should pick up a few injuries. Do you think I can just throw Hacks of in there? Maybe I think his actual best position because he's, he's been really good on the wings. He's dangerous at creating chances as well as scoring. Don't worry about your hard question, Tony. What's your, what's your thoughts? Well, I'm, I'm quite happy that I'm playing at any of those kind of forward positions, uh, right, left, or through the middle, because he's shown he can. I think he's versatile in that sense, isn't he? So I guess I'm like you. I, when I see Haksabanovic's name on the team sheet, I'm, I'm smiling. I'm not, it doesn't worry me, you know, I, I'm like, that's great, he, he's clearly earmarked him to do something in your role, and as I say, I get back to that Ross County goal, I just thought, I actually think that that'll be the making of Haxabanovic at Celtic, in terms of, you know, every player has a moment when, you know, the penny drops, and, every, and I just think that that was his moment, and he can relax now, he's got a cu- couple of goals, as you say, and, you know, I think he was worried about that, and he keeps mentioning that his goal uh, contribution can be more, it will be more because you're a talented, talented boy. And I think that Ross County goal showed it that what exactly what he's got in his locker. Because to me, it's up there with one of the goals of the season in terms of its execution. You know, that that's just, uh, you know, that was a difficult time, a difficult skill. He got the ball out of his feet and the way he bent it. I mean, that's the only way that ball could have gotten in, hitting a, hitting a low shot at goal. And I, uh, I, uh, I just feel that, yeah. I think that day he showed his quality and his class and as I say, right wing, left wing through the middle, I don't particularly care I, I happen to agree with Simon Thomas that Haxa Banifitz could well be the star of the show come the second half of the season for Celtic you know, but I, I'm i not discounting the likes of Jota and Kyogo and Jack and Marcus to, you know, to upstage him in, in terms of goals because these guys are, are tried and tested and proven but Haxa Banifitz maybe feels that he's there's more to come from his locker, and that that excites me greatly. You know, speaking of stars, Aiden, three years ago today, you know what happened? Eh, uh, it was a quite a famous uh, cup final performance, Tony. If I'm right in saying it was indeed. Celtic beat Rangers one 0 at Hampden. Rangers kind of dominated the game. Celtic scored. Christopher Julian got the winner, but there was an outstanding performance by goalkeeper Fraser Forster. And my question, and I'm going to ask this to the viewers as well and the commenters, it's got to be up there with one of the best performances you've ever seen in a, a big game by a Celtic player. My my other one would be, and sadly Celtic lost, but Henrik Larson's in the FA Cup final in 2003. I thought he was superhuman uh, that day. But Fraser Foster at Hamden three years ago, totally and utterly psyched out the Rangers team, and Alfredo Morelos in particular, just was not going to be beaten big part of Celtic winning that uh, cup final that day. Uh, what was your thoughts on that, Aidan, seeing as how you're, you're old enough to remember that one, but maybe not so with Henrik Larsson, although you've probably seen the match in 2003 for cup final. But uh, yeah, I always felt that there's there's that footage of Larsson after it and he holds up the silver medal and he says, I didn't come here for this. And it's just utterly heartbreaking, you know, because... He, of all people, stood up to the plate that night. He needed two or three more Celtic players to play like he did. And sadly, just fell short. I think probably if we're talking like best individual performances from any Celtic player in the modern era, 
uh, particularly if you're categorising in a game where you maybe didn't get as much as you were hoping, I've got no doubt that Larson in that game is probably the best example of that. And I think he said himself, didn't he, that he would have traded a yeah. lot of what he won at Celtic, or if not the majority of what he won at Celtic, to sort of do win that match in Seville. But I don't want to dredge up old wounds, Tony. It's still a sore point for a lot of people. I think we were just talking about goalkeeping performances just since you mentioned uh, Foster there. Uh, Brown Warriors mentioned Aye. David Marshall v Barca. Yeah. Uh, which I think is a good shout, isn't it? Yeah, I was at that. That night, it was uh, unbelievable. It was another one to knock them out on their own patch. Yeah, I mean, the Marshall was terrific. Yeah, it's funny how when you talk about like individual forms, individual performances like that, you, you kind of stray towards goalkeeping ones, don't you? Yeah, yeah, particularly yeah. in Europe, isn't it? Because, yeah, a lot of the time Celtic will be under the cosh against top teams, obviously. Maybe contact myself slightly because we just mentioned Larson and a European performance <laughs> and he's an attacker, obviously. But I think in terms of matches and you know, Champions League, uh, you know, probably GAFA Cups, it used to be you probably do generally think about great goalkeeping performances, particularly if it's from a game that Celtic have won. Yeah, actually, talking of Fraser Foster, I think it's it's not been forgotten, I should say, but obviously the League Cup's probably more fresh in people's memories. But Fraser Foster against Barcelona, 2012. yeah, yeah. I, I see when you were just talking about. Like recent sort of top goalkeeping performances, the two that immediately came to my mind were Fraser Foster, Barcelona, mm. Fraser Foster, Rangers. Yes. So, probably says measure the man that you had yeah. recent Celtic performances, these both of them, you know, five, six, seven year apart. But yeah, and there's sorry, it's another one. Like Patrick McLaughlin comes in, yeah, after Boris versus Man U saved the penalty from Lewis Saha after uh, Nakamura's stunning free kick, but. Yeah, it's funny that I just you don't kind of it's not conscious in your mind, but you kind of, as I say, it's goalkeeper performances that stick out when those time you talk about individuals. But yeah, Beach Boys comes in and says ten men missed a penalty, absolutely battered, scored an offside goal. If Carol's Bell did cut finals, it did feel a bit like that that day with Fraser Foster. But and Fraser Foster, as you say, against uh, Barcelona when Neil Lennon Celtic beat Barcelona. 2012, he was again another superhuman performance, uh, terrific. And you again, when you look back on them, they make you smile, don't they? It's it's something that uh, you never tire of, of talking about or, or seeing the highlights of because it obviously they contributed to something uh, special, apart from Henrik Larson's, of course. Yeah, for cup final, <laughs> Brian Warrior comes in and says, Tony Watt must also be given a shout, must also get a shout given the stages experience as a player. He never had a youth career and was unattached at 16, yet took his chance like he was playing up the part with his pals. I I, I do, uh, yeah, that's a moment that Tony Watt will never, ever forget. And, uh, yeah, that was that game was uh, special for a lot of people, wasn't it? Kevin Ferrier, big phrase of the wall. That's what he was christened after the Barcelona game, wasn't it? La Grande. Yeah, the great wall. The great wall, uh, the great wall by, uh, I think it was Marsa, wasn't it? The Spanish newspaper Marsa. Which is why these performances stick out in your mind. You know, is, uh, uh, Fraser was a, an excellent goalkeeper for Celtic. Uh, I, really liked, I really liked him. Yeah, I thought he was terrific. I think for uh, probably a lot of people, and maybe like the last 20 odd years or so, I guess Boric has like probably more of like a personality, etc. And he's obviously an excellent goalkeeper as well. But in terms of just pure goalkeeping ability, I mean, it's 
it's very hard, I would imagine, really. I don't know if I'm maybe drawing like sort of a poor comparison, but even though in world football, to have a, a goalkeeper that every time you pretty much think he's going to save a penalty and you know at the very least he's going to go the right way and the only <laughs> way he's going to get by him is if it's like a top quality penalty. And the amount of penalties he, he saved, and even in that second spell, I only saved quite a few in the, the first one. I particularly remember a game against Hearts at home, Victor, when Yama scored a stunning goal and then Foster saved a penalty late on, which was uh, really important. But in terms of his sort of second spell, he was... Just the amount of penalties. I was lucky enough, for example, to be over in Copenhagen when Celtic played uh, Copenhagen in the Europa League. I know overall that turned out not to be over the two ties. It was a bit disappointing. But over there with Foster, he was made some brilliant saves in that game. And then it was uh, at the time that was the first time I think Celtic had been involved in a game that had VAR. And they ended up Copenhagen got a penalty. And I could see everybody around me was quite nervous. But for some reason, I was pretty confident he was going to save it. So see, when he saved it, I don't even think I was actually going that crazy because I just expected that he was going to save it but yeah that's what I mean and I don't know exactly how many penalties he saved and he's a uh, second spell obviously you highlight the Rangers one but I'd imagine we're looking at least three four potentially even five because it was yes exceptional it was so good and probably someday that it almost just became normal after a stage yeah that's what and it wasn't doing. until the way it got old ones again Tony but it wasn't until the next season as we'll just call it the mm. uh, Probably realised how good Foster was. <laughs> Patrick McLaughlin comes in here and he says, uh, and I remember thinking this at the time, uh, being at Hamden for the Fraser Foster Cup final, and it was like watching every Andy Gorham save against Celtic in the nineties and in the like, one game, and it kind of was. I, I think, I think the way the Celtic fans felt back then in the nineties when Andy Gorham was in goal was the way the Rangers fans would have felt. With Fraser Foster's performance to three, sorry, three years ago in, in that League Cup final, it was just a mirror image. He did everything to, to keep the ball out of the net, and Andy Gorham used to do that uh, in break. Tommy Burns, at family said, wasn't it? Though carved on my tombstone, Andy Gorham broke my heart after uh, some Celtic Rangers games when he was absolutely outstanding. So that tells you all, really, doesn't it? Yeah, it shows you how sort of strong performance it was from Foster. And I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. And I mean, I'm sure Celtic, for example, Joe Hart's had some really good games, and I'm sure they'll be. Sorry, sorry, I'm just going to the window. It's actually snowing here as well now. So, <laughs> uh, but I'm sure there'll be plenty of positive performances from goalkeepers in the future. But whether or not they'll be in a League Cup final against Rangers when yes. you're so under the cosh, down to ten men. Obviously, Eduard, who was probably undisputedly Celtic's best player at that time, and we came off the bench to win the free kick for the goal, but he wasn't fit enough to start. It was Lewis Morgan up front. I think I don't know if you ever have something quite like that in that game. Again, yes. I would say maybe you could have something maybe top that, leave a goalkeeper at another really top performance against like a Barcelona or something, but whether or not you have it in that specific context, I don't quite know. Uh, indeed, I and as I say, somebody else mentioned David Marshall's performance in the new camp in Barcelona. He was outstanding. He was just excellent that night, and a brilliant uh, memory for him as well. At, at such a young age, to actually go to the new camp and put Barcelona out of the UEFA Cup was just something incredible, really, Aidan, wasn't it? Yeah, it was once again, Tony. Uh, sorry to say that slightly just uh, your time, yeah. yeah, I was very much around, but probably not following <laughs> the sort of 
<laughs> inner workings of the club. But yeah, well, it's a game that uh, my family and that, my dad, etc., spoke a lot about. And I've seen the highlights hundreds of times. Marshall was uh, exceptional in that match, really. And I think, was it the year later he saved the penalty? I don't think Celtic won that game, did they? Or was it a draw? They, a year later he saved a penalty, Ronaldinho, or two years yes, later? Yeah, so, having that on the CV as well isn't bad. It's <laughs> <laughs> not, not the worst, is it? You know, but hey, there you go. Now, even when there's quiet days, Aiden, we still manage to wax lyrical about the old leather belts, you know, and we appreciate the comments coming in, guys. If there's any other questions you want to fire in before we depart the scene, then please do. But uh, you, you can't beat talking about things that happened in the past, Aiden, as well, and the recent past too. And uh, looking forward to your captain coming back to marshal you for the rest of the season it's all good news isn't it oh yeah there you go b comes in says after the world cup 1990 packy bonner was regarded as one of the best goalkeepers in the world or maybe like maybe that was because he was 12 and he believed that indeed there you go well packy did save that penalty from Romania's Timofte in 1990, another one who whose reputation soared after that. And, uh, and I think everybody remembers Packy's a good goalkeeping servant for Celtic, but I don't remember him being Fraser Foster-esque in any particular game. Maybe I'm wrong and my memory's playing tricks on me, but I think he retains our, he retains our place in the, the affection of Celtic supporters' hearts, Aiden, Packy Bonner. Yeah, I mean... Uh, once again, don't want to keep myself Tony, but slightly before my time. Slightly before your time. Uh, sorry, sorry to keep saying that. I do apologise. <laughs> uh, I know he's someone who has held uh, to a certain level by Celtic fans at that time. Obviously, it wasn't the most. A lot of the time, his club maybe wasn't the most successful. Not not always down to his his fault, just the way things were at the time. But I think he he does have a sort of soft spot for a lot of people. And, in terms of the 1990 World Cup, he did show at that stage he could do it really at the highest level. I think somebody was talking about the Ortona, you're probably much more qualified than me to talk about this, saying that the pass-back rule uh, killed Bonner a bit. Would you say that's a fair a fair statement? Or? I did like a wee roll-out and a wee kind of get it, not give and go and get it back for killing a few minutes. But uh, listen, he was, a, he was a, a decent goalkeeper for Celtic. You know, and I think the, the fans uh, say respect him for the service that he gave to the club. And, you know, it's a, uh, you know, everybody, every era spawns, you know, some favourite players and some players that are, you know, held in high esteem. And I think Packy's one of them who's held in high esteem from, from the 80s uh, because of the success he had with the club as well. So, you know, in terms of, is he up there with Foster, Boric, you know, guys like that? Someone like Craig Gordon, maybe? Aye, so, possibly, yeah, something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could argue the toss on that one, you know, so... But, uh, and a good big guy as well. He's, he's uh, still around, does his media stuff for the BBC, and he's uh, very approachable and very helpful and a decent fella, so, you know, that's that's another good thing as well about him. Yeah, he's a good big guy, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll defend him in that sense, you know, so all good. Now, John Hill comes in with the most important one, Aidan. There we go. We'll finish on that. Is the treble on this season? I hope so. Uh, uh, I wouldn't... Uh, maybe I'm being a bit cautious here. Uh, obviously, Celtic got very, very used to winning trebles. Uh, 
I'll probably go very, very used to Celtic winning for at least <laughs> yes, you did. Life to me. Yeah. You were a life for them, yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh, remember all of them. When I was uh, sort of Brendan Rodgers' first two seasons, that's when I was in a uh, fifth and sixth year at school. So that was sort of a very, very good time to be honest. That was a snapshot of life for me right there. Yeah, I know. Sorry again, Tony. It does feel like I'm putting a gun in the ages tonight. Actually, a lot of it's been accidental. Usually I'd try and throw in the odd wee one, but actually they were all accidental today. But in terms of trebles, I probably got very used to Celtic winning them. And then it was harshly brought by Denev a couple of years ago. But there's a chance. There's a very good chance. Celtic are sitting good in the league. Semi finals of the League Cup, so you only need to win two games in that competition to uh, win that. Which you know, so if you get through against Echo Marnock, then you're only one game away from potential after that trophy. Celtic's already been there and done it with the League Cup as well under Ange, which was very significant last year. I think in terms of the Scottish Cup, just need to wait and see. Obviously, um, there's a that was probably really the only domestic disappointment last year, wasn't it? Unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, was in that semi-final and I think everybody would be honest and say that Celtic probably weren't good enough that day or deserved to win it really. Uh, good goal from uh, Sean's pal Greg Taylor but I've got to say. So, it was indeed, was indeed. But outside of that, I think so you probably agree Celtic weren't good enough to win that game. I think the trebles are it's a real possibility Tony but it's not going to be easy, it's definitely not a given. No, I think uh, like you, trebles are a possibility because they're still in every competition but my thoughts on it always are the leagues where it's yeah, at, yeah. Uh, the other two cups are a bonus, but they are in them and they're fiercely competitive in them and they will want to defend their League Cup crown, which they won uh, spectacular style last season. So, and just the way the team are and the way the manager is, they, they won't let up. I think it's something that inwardly they'll have set themselves a target of the treble. They'll never say that outwardly in case it goes awry because you are a bounce of the ball away, a VAR decision, a referee decision away from, you know, all those dreams being shattered. Just ask Ronnie Dyler. You know, so, uh, yeah, I think my position will always be win the title and, you know, the rest is, is a bonus. And sp- specifically to win the title, given that the two years, last year and this year, leads to automatic entry into the Champions League group stages then, I think it's imperative. But the way this team's going, you know fine well that the targets that they set themselves, they set a high bar, they probably will have targeted a treble. As you say, nobody hands you the treble, you've got to go and earn it and win it. But you trust this manager and you trust the players to give it their all. Fell just shot last season, as you say, in the semi-final against Rangers. Can they go one better? Well, they're, they're certainly equipped to do it, I think. Yeah, I think... Well, they're in good shape at the moment, given that semi-final are the, the only cup, uh, domestic cup league have started in this season. Obviously, we know we've got Morton in the Scottish Cup, but that's still to come. They're nine points clear in the league. So, and given they won a double last year, that, that there's evidence that they can go and win cups under Andrew as well as the league, and there's sort of the motivation to go and do one better. So, well, it's very much a possibility, but, you know, it, it's not even a case of you're, maybe you're, you, even if you avoid Rangers or something like that till the semis or whatever, uh, or the final of the Scottish Cup, even if we just take that on its own, like you said, you can get a bad bounce of the ball or you just don't turn up in one of the earlier rounds. Sure. And I know Ange doesn't really stand for that, but you know the odd time it can happen, you've seen that in one game, or oh, average is like you're not going to win every game. And 
if one of them comes in the cup, then you can just get undone sort of thing. But Celtic's recent record I mean, over the last I don't know, the last six or seven years in the cups has been really exceptional, to be honest, Tony. Yeah, uh, I know you even touched on the Ronnie Dial on his first season. He's unlucky not winning the treble as well. So we just need to wait and see. I'm sure the manager maybe has, and even if it's just having his coaching staff has set that as a sort of specific goal thinking, you know, one better than last year. But I wouldn't be wanting to make any sweet statements about it. Maybe that's just me being overcautious, Tony. I don't well, one thing's for certain, you know, complacency won't creep in at all. No, as I've said, the manager won't allow it. It's just the way they go about their business, so it won't be through the lack of trying. I apologise if you hear banging. I'm getting a new kitchen, and I think it's directly below me uh, where I'm sitting. So if you hear banging, and that, I'm very sorry, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, hope the wife likes her new kitchen, Tony. Yeah, at the minute, there's I think I've got a ceiling, and that's it. Nothing else, but there you have it. Well, I'll. I'll keep you informed. But there you go. There's nearly 37 minutes of Celtic chat. You can't be to Aiden every day. We do it. Thanks, guys, for your comments today in the Q&As. We appreciate that. We appreciate the interaction. I'll just direct you to our deal that we've got going. There you go. There it is. The Merry Christmas deal, the festive deal that we've got. You can get 25% off the yearly subscription rate, which takes it down to £26. Or if you subscribe... You can get a, it costs a pound for two months of free access to everything that's written on the website. You can enjoy it all. As Aidan said at the top of the programme, it's all there, isn't it? Aidan, stats, data analysis, you name it, big interviews, feature interviews, new stuff. It's all there at the click of a button and you can join us. www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. That's www.celticway.co.uk forward slash subscribe. Thank you for everyone that's got involved, that has subscribed. If you haven't subscribed, do the right thing. Get involved. You know it makes sense. And all that left for me to say is, Aidan, thank you for that today. First class, my friend. Excellent stuff. Cheers, Tony. Any more digs at your old dad here and his age, we'll uh, need to sort that out. But, we're quite creative today, I, I thought, Tony. I, 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 think, I, I think that's impetuosity of youth. You know, I'll, I'll give you that. I'll, I'll bow to that today. <laughs> But thanks for your contribution. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll do it all again tomorrow, same time, round about 10 ish, 10 past 10 ish, something like that, whatever. We'll, we need to do some preparation, guys. You know how it is. But yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for everything. Take care. All the best.